The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. The Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic is taking a break during the Euros, but here is a special bonus episode to see you through. The focus is on boxing as promoter Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Boxing have agreed a five-year deal with streaming service DAZN to replace Sky Sports as their exclusive broadcast partner, both in the UK and in Ireland. So coming up, you'll hear The Athletic's Matt Slater in conversation with Eddie Hearn and also DAZN's co-CEO, James Rushton, discussing the deal and some of the wider issues facing the business side of boxing. Eddie, I noticed from the uh, the press release that... Um it, it all looks very exciting. There's no there's no numbers in there. Well, there's a, there's a couple, which we all come to. That's more of a James question. But there's no big number in there. Now, The Athletic, of course, sort of broke this story a couple of months ago. And we went with the number 100 million. Are we a miles off? Are we are we there or thereabouts? I was quite offended by that number. <laughs> I'm joking. I think, I think the best way to describe it um, is, obviously, that you know, for 25 years plus, We've been uh, aligned with Sky Sports in the UK. We've had a great relationship, a great platform, great people. With the position we built up in the UK market, um, something special had to come along to, to move us and move our position. Yes, financially, of course, and that's an opportunity for our business and our fighters, but also with a, with a bigger vision for that. So I'm not going to give you the numbers, but uh, we're very happy. All right. Read into that what you will or listen into that what you will, folks. He was offended, but not that offended. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't correct me, did he? I was right. very offended. No, no, Oh, no. fair enough. Well, look, I also notice, and not just in the press release, I think I've heard you say this as well, that you think DAZN are the future of boxing. Why? Well, that was an old press release because uh, they're no longer the future of boxing. I mean, you know, don't want to sound cheesy, but they are boxing. I mean, when we launched in the US, um, we went into a new market, no one really knew who Matchroom were. Certainly no one knew who DAZN were at the time of launching in the US on day one. And they've done a tremendous job. I mean, this is the first time. It's so unique for a rights holder to literally have one hat on wherever I am in the world to say the only place you can watch our live events is on DAZN. And for the sport of boxing, that is so exciting because people talk about, you know, um, having a, a dominant position in global boxing. When you have a platform that stages all your events globally. That's that's so unique. And obviously the US was an exciting addition to that schedule for us, a massive opportunity. UK is our, our area of dominance, but also there's Italy, there's Spain in which we've grown with, with the zone. There's other announcements coming next week about new markets that we're moving into. So whilst this announcement is geared upon the UK, there is a, a, a real tremendous synergy between DAZN and Matrim in terms of what we're trying to achieve globally. And, you know, again, sorry for the cheese, but the unrivaled home of global boxing, DAZN, there's nothing like it. There won't be anything like it. This is a golden opportunity for us as a business. Does that mean the, the old pay-per-view model's dead? I think that there'll always be pay-per-view. I think, you know, we, we had the argument in America, I think it was Oscar de la Hoya said, pay-per-view's dead. And, you know, couple of years later and he's doing a pay-per-view himself you know with, with actually him fighting um i think the problem that we had was we were too reliant on that model for our our live events and that comes mainly matt because the purses in boxing because of the success we had in the sport were going like this but the rights fees weren't 
So the broadcaster was saying, if you want to put on this huge fight, if you want to put on this big card, it has to be pay-per-view. And the problem was with that model is I'm consistently arm wrestling the fan and the subscriber to tell you that you should be reaching in your pocket to go again. And I stand by those events delivering value for money. Here, I think this gives me a small opportunity to be a little bit more popular, which is very difficult to do. Um, but to say to fight fans that those pay-per-view events that you have been watching will now be part of your subscription on DAZN. And I think that will be very well received. Just remind me, what was, I mean, some of these numbers have been huge for pay-per-view, right? In, in, in the UK well, and the US, it's been what, 50 quid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the UK, uh, you're at £19.99 and £24.99. But in the US, you're as high as $100 yeah. or $90. $80 is a consistent price point. I mean, in the US, it's unbelievable. You've got Teofimo Lopez in two weeks going pay-per-view. The week after that, you've got Javonta Davis against Barros going pay-per-view. Three weeks after that, you've got Tyson Fury against Wilder going pay-per-view. Four weeks after that, you've got Manny Pacquiao against Errol Spence. And a week after that, you've got Jake Paul against Tyrone Woodley. It costs you about 500 quid in six weeks just to be a fight fan. That's why I'm so passionate, particularly in the US, about the value for money that DAZN are offering. Now, you've got the biggest star in, in US boxing in Canelo Alvarez. You've just watched him box three times in five months, you know, a completely different price point. And this is why I feel like zone in the UK is going to be so successful because of that price offering. And, you know, all those fans that we've built a close relationship with over the years are going to get very excited, not just by the content and the fights that are going to be created for the schedule, but the value for money as well. Well, there you go, James. It's not, it's not the future of boxing. It's the present of boxing, and it's, 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 it's a bargain as well. I'll, I'll take that. Un unrivaled and, un and undisputed, I think. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, well, undisputed, of course. You know, we're talking yeah, about like boxing. It. Now, look, the other great cliche that's often mentioned when we talk about the zone is the Netflix of sport. Are you ever going to get bored of that? A little bit bored of it in, in some ways, right? Because the, the sort of... Uh, we, we try and steer away from the sort of the framing of the business in that way because... Look, frankly, we're, we're we're a business now that are a, a disruptor in our own sense. We've been going now for four years. We've got a significant brand presence around the world. We are the world's leading sports streamer. Uh, we are dedicated to providing amazing premium content uh, and making that content more accessible than ever before. And, and listen, we're 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 focused on creating our own legacy. Uh, so whilst whilst we don't, whilst I'm not going to sort of tell you off for, for saying it, it's not something that we we refer to because we we think that we are we are forging our own path, and we're very proud of the work that we've done to date. But we're even more proud and more excited about what's happening in the future. You've seen what we've done in Germany. You've seen what we've done in the US with with, with Matchroom in the last two years. You've seen most recently. Uh, the exciting news in Italy and Spain. And this is another game-changing landmark deal where it shows that the tide of premium sports consumption is going where the consumer habits are. And that is OTT, uh, that is, you know, outside of the traditional bundle. And like, we're super excited. It's a great day for the zone uh, full stop. It's a, it's, a, it's a cementing of a fantastic partnership with Eddie and, and the rest of the Matchroom family that we've work with for a very long time but most importantly it's going to be an amazing opportunity for global box fans and in particular UK and Ireland boxing fans because you know we are super committed to you know taking it on to the next level and, and that's what we're going to do 
with our businesses working exclusively and closely together over the next few years. Profitability. Is that a problem? It often gets talked about whenever I have conversations with people about rights and is the zone going to mm. enter the fray? Some of, some of it is jealousy. Some of it is defensiveness. You know, you, you know you're talked about, but it keeps coming up. Oh, they're miles away from profitability. Oh, you can't trust them. They'll be the first to um, ask for a rebate. They'll be the first to, to pause a payment. I, I, this is what I hear, James. I hear, I'm sure you hear it too. By the way, I know the question wasn't asked to me, but all of the things that you've said in all the years of dealing with zone and Perform before that, not once, never once. And I'd like to think that we're probably, well, no, we're definitely not one of the biggest customers. Yeah, but no, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But absolutely, absolutely cast iron in everything they do. And we would not be leaving a major, major broadcaster. We, we, we don't need to take a risk, especially in the UK. So I'll let James answer the question. But for first-hand knowledge, absolutely spot on as a business to work with in that respect. And listen, Matt, it's it's interesting when you see, um, you know, we hear things like that. And the truth is they, they don't understand our business. They don't understand the unit economics of our business. And by the way, that's great, because that means that they're not going to be able to replicate my business anytime soon. I'm not going to talk about how close we are to being profitable or not, but we are not that far away. We've seen a significant, I guess, uh, groundswell of subscribers over the past 12 to 18 months on the back of COVID and the I guess the sort of general consumer trend in terms of to streaming, we've we've really seen a a significant growth of subscribers over 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 the past 12, 18 months. It's not just about that; it's also about running a business in a way that is disciplined and understand how to sort of drive value from subscribers, uh, both in terms of getting them into the business, into the sorry the the service, but also keeping them. And we've done an amazing job over the past twelve to eighteen months to understand the data and really make a big deal in terms of our engagement rates and, and, our, and our retention rates. In terms of, you know, the, the sort of a little bit of jealousy to say, oh, DAZN is, is DAZN that. As Eddie said, Eddie uh, is a you know, super successful premium um, broadcaster, uh, would not leave a 25-year relationship with Sky if he wasn't absolutely uh, certain in terms of what we're all about. The Serie A in Italy would not give us the responsibility to be the primary broadcaster to broadcast all 10 games from next season, seven of which are exclusively, seven of which are the primary games, unless they are absolutely certain of what we stood for and how we go about our business. So I think it's a little bit of jealousy and also, frankly, a little bit of misunderstanding of, of how our unit economics of our business works. And as I said, that, that, that's okay by us because if they can't work it out, that means they're not going to be uh, able to compete with us in the, in the short to medium term. Now, look, you mentioned Italy, and I did want to get to that. Of course... Part of the story is you are raising your prices, which which is makes complete sense. I mean, is is yep. is this the path to profitability? You, you, you get us hooked on your products, which is all completely legit, and then you gently raise the prices. Pricing is, is part of your proposition mix, and the proposition mix is linked is linked to uh, the content that you broadcast. I stand by our business principles that we are still a value play, even in markets where we have invested heavily in rights, and you've we've announced some some pricing increases in, in those markets. Clearly, and let me talk about Italy for a moment, uh, you know, we, are, we were priced at €9.99 for three years based on having a small set of Serie A rights. When we go and buy all Serie A rights for, for a significant amount of money, clearly, A, we are aiming to attract more subscribers, but also we need, we need to get more uh, value out of those subscribers by, by raising the price. 
So is pricing an important part of the mix? Yes, but it's, it's part of a broader proposition that is still absolutely founded in making premium sport more accessible and more affordable. Got it. Makes sense to me. Eddie, you've now got a reasonably sized check in your in your pocket. You, you're thinking bigger, better shows. You're going to broaden your stable? What, what, where are you going to invest this money? How does Matchroom get bigger? Well, the investment comes in, in the quality of fights and comes from being able to, rather than asking the subscriber to, to put their hand in their pocket on a pay-per-view level, um, the investment comes from, from the broadcaster to effectively pay for those fights and those nights for the fans. There's also, there's many parts of this deal in the UK. The main one, of course, is the investment into the fighters, fight nights themselves. We don't really want to add any more fighters to our stable. We feel like we have a lot of obligations to them already. We have a, a stellar list of talent. This deal as well, Matt, is also a great deal for uh, an, a big moment for our production and content business, Matrim Media, who will now be in charge alongside DAZN of the live production for all our fight nights. And also in terms of content, fight, fight week build-up, shoulder programming, and also developing and building the talent team from presentation to commentary to analytical talent. And that's really important for us from, because I talk about this my dad's always said it for years, I sound like him, about this cradle-to-grave mindset, which is all about you know, the inception of event, the build of the event, the storytelling from the event, into the fight night itself. And if you don't have control over that delivery, it kind of feels like that seven or eight-week period has been a bit of a waste of time. And you know, there's been times where I've watched the production or the ring walks or the commentary, and I just... You know, maybe it's a, the control freak in me of, of creating something that says, no, we need to be across that. And that's very unique to this deal. The production values will be so, so high level in what we're doing here. And Sky have done a great job, but this investment will make the look and feel feel completely different. So very fresh, very new, with credible people. But the investment comes on everything around the event, particularly the product. And that is the most important thing here because the subs numbers are driven by fights and the hype that is driven around those fights. And without the quality of the fights, without the competitive matches, without the deep cards, you're not going to drive subscribers. But we know that we already, to be honest, I mean, one amazing thing that, that DAZN have achieved through this global boxing model is the ability to almost um, have that research in front of them about individual markets without even making a sizable investment. UK is an example where they launched their boxing offering with their international uh, rights. And with fights like Canelo against Callum Smith, Ryan Garcia against Luke Campbell, and more recently Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders, are already in a tremendous position on subscriber numbers in the UK before we've even started. And, and that global product enables them to get that almost free data to tell them about the markets that have potential. And, and that's going to be really important moving forward. And we talk a lot about that, Matt, in terms of the having this global platform to be able to do exactly that, to test and learn, to understand where markets spike, but also to understand the, you know, we're a very data-driven business. So, so by doing what we've done with our global platform, and, and in particular, we've seen it spike in the UK, all of a sudden, We've got all the econometric data, all, all of the sort of stuff that would probably take us 12 months to build up uh, when we're launching a new market. So in this case, 
whilst this announcement is fantastic and it is um, super, I, I, I use the word supersize and people tell me I sound like I'm ordering something at McDonald's, but that, that's what we're doing. We're supersizing the UK market, but I've got a plethora of customer data and, and insight behind us so that actually when we start to go into in terms of our marketing, when we start to think about how our socials are going to work, when we start to work with, uh, with Eddie and Frank about what nights and what type of shows, it's all data-driven as well as obviously the insight that that matchroom brings to the party. So that's why we're, we're so excited about uh, getting this thing rocking and rolling really soon. I mean, it makes sense. I, I think it's really interesting uh, the remark you make around investing in production. I'm hearing that a lot from sport now. I know World Superbikes have done a good job there and some other sports where they really have focused on that to get that kind of professional sheen across everything, that consistency. Of course, it's one of the strengths of the Premier League over the last 25, 30 years. I was very interested when you were talking about not needing to grow your stable. And one of the names, of course, that as far as I understand it, is not part of the deal is Anthony Joshua, who's, you know, without question, you know, your, 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 your most famous assets. How, how is that going to work? I mean, what, how going forward, how will that relationship work? Can DAZN do a separate deal with you to get him? Well, firstly, the deal doesn't include Anthony Joshua. He still has one fight left on his existing Sky deal before he is available to the marketplace, if you like. I mean, this is a separate deal. He's not related to this deal, but Anthony Joshua, 258 Management, his management company and Matrim, at the end of that deal, will look at the various opportunities for him and make the best decision for his career. I'm sure the zone will be a player in those conversations, as will Sky be trying to, you know, keep hold of, of like you said, that incredible asset of Anthony Joshua. Um, or, as we've seen in America, quite interestingly, Canelo Alvarez, who's another one of our clients, take up that almost free network, free agent uh, status amongst the network, which I don't advise to many athletes because I think it, that does carry risk. But if you are someone that drives numbers, then I think it's actually quite a clever model because it takes out the politics of the sport where you can't fight him, you can't fight him, you're exclusive to this network. Now, James might not like that position as much, but actually it's worked very well for them, you know, with Canelo Alvarez, where they've picked up his last three fights. You know, we're in negotiations to do the undisputed fight as well. The longer term commitment is not there. They can afford to perhaps be more fluid across different talent that's coming through, maybe a Ryan Garcia or Devin Haney, etc. So that could be a position that Anthony Joshua looks at and says, actually, I'll, you know, I'll back myself here. And, and the deals that I get maybe on a one-off basis might be more lucrative than, than a longer-term position as the market continues to grow. We work with AJ in, lot, in, in lots of other markets. Obviously, the, the UK and Ireland is, is, is separate to that. So you know, we, we love working with, with Anthony. I think he's a, he's a, he's a number driver, as, as Ed said. He's also, you know, as well as being a fantastically talented fighter, he's also a, fast, a fantastic person, works with us brilliantly. So clearly, we'd love to sort of work with him in the future. But... That's in the future. That's not part of this deal today. Well, I, I agree. And I, I think it's really interesting, this, this concept of, of certain sporting assets, certain entertainment assets, being able to go it alone. They are, they are their own brands. And, it, and it, it got me into, I was thinking about this interview. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I suppose I'm your kind of floating sports fan. I, I, I would watch a Joshua fight. I'm not sure I'd watch all your fights, but I would certainly watch that. And I, and I have in the past. I'd watch a Fury fight. When I look at boxing, it... I mean, I, I sort of two, two immediate problems kind of jump out of me and they're not unique to boxing. Lots of sports have this. It's this, why don't the best fight the best more often? 
you know, can you force them to, because that's what we want to see. And I, and I, and I, I think there's a, a perhaps an obsession with undefeated records and this, this sort of desire, you, you know, you, you can't have a defeat on your record until you've won 20. And, and then that's what creates that sort of very slow buildup. But I, you know, sometimes I like, I know who the best fighters are, right? Let's just fight. And if you lose one, okay. I still don't think, I don't think you're rubbish. I think you might be second best, but you know, do it again. I don't need to see you fight five other guys to get another chance. I, I kind of know you're still second best. So Eddie, why, why, why are we going to see more of that with these, these big brands? Firstly, it comes down to money of which, you know, like I said, when you have a significant budget from a broadcaster, there's no excuse not to make good fights, good competitive fights, the best be the best, you know, whether that's two of the best in Britain or two of the best in Europe or two of the best in the world. We want to see those fights and the competitive element of that is extremely important. Then you have the problem of the politics between networks. So top ranks guy on ESPN won't fight Fox's guy on with PBC because they want them on their specific network. What we're trying to do is almost create our own global in-house sort of sport where our talent across the world will fight each other in various different markets on the zone. So if you build your stable big enough with the biggest stars, it's a lot easier to make the in-house fights. You've seen with the UFC who do a great job of just that. You know, they have a universal contract among fighters and they, you don't really get much option. You say, you're fighting him on that day. And that's why you're seeing a lot of the times the best fighting the best because that's what they've signed up to. Fighters have no fear of fighting other fighters, but they want to be rewarded, you know, and sometimes if the money's not there, those fights can't be made. But, you know, not to put too much pressure on ourselves, and, you know, I don't mind doing it, with this kind of deal, you will see the best fighting the best more often. More competitive fights, more compelling fights, and like you said, no one wants to see a one-sided fight. Fighters have to be developed. You can't sling a kid in in a 50-50 fight early on in their career. But once you're ready to light the, you know, the torch paper, let's see entertainment. And that's something we're going to be bringing on zone around the world. All right. And then my, my second issue with boxing is just the complexity of the sanctioning bodies. I mean, I, I understand the kind of network issue. And I, I'm, I'm, maybe this is radical. Maybe, maybe it's not radical. Maybe you think about this all the time. Why do we have sanctioning bodies? What do they bring to the party? You, you only watch a few shows a year. I've been working in boxing for 10 years and I've been around boxing for 32 years. And I still don't understand them. So that should give you a good example of where we are. Uh, it's frustrating. It's sometimes bordering on, hmm, I'll, I'll save that word. Uh, but, you know, the politics of the governing bodies uh, sometimes ruin the sport because in an ideal world, and this is something we're looking to do across some divisions, create a tournament, you know, create semifinals and finals. You've got four champions, you know, you do a draw, two fight two, you, you do... Then they fight the winners. You've got an undisputed champion. That's the best in the division. Wouldn't that be so beautiful to do that in all divisions? You're never going to see it, but the more we can do it, the better. The reason there are so many belts is because they're individual opportunities for governing bodies to make sanctioning fees, basically. And, you know, and that's not what fans want to see. So if we can continue that mentality of the best fighting the best and also you know, making sure that we see the right fights, Belts don't really matter. But a lot of fighters, Matt, do have dreams to wear those belts around their waist. You know, they saw it on their heroes. And, you know, I, I would be very proactive in conversations to ask the question, do we need 
the belts? The fighters will say yes, and, and it does add an element of history and credibility to, to some fights. Okay. Well, we're racing through the, the, my, my bugbears. James, we've done the, the issues with the politics and the networks. I've got a technical question for, for DAZN, really, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I do think that you are part of the solution. Piracy. And it was I was thinking about it in terms of the pay-per-view numbers, and that's often used as an excuse I think there are unseen reasons why piracy is an issue, but but sometimes the price point is is, is seen as a driver. You're coming in with that kind of re- smaller, more regular payment, you know, that kind of value for money proposition. But piracy is a problem for your business, right? And I'm wondering how much of a, a problem is it? How much thought do you give it? How much thought does it go into your pricing? To how many conversations you have with rights holders about it? Do you pick and choose the rights you buy based on how seriously they take the rights holders this is how, how seriously they take the problem just just piracy in general what what is what is the zone doing it's a fascinating topic and listen i think it's something that we as an industry are all aware of whether it be a an ott broadcaster a linear broadcaster a rights holder it, it is it is a challenge we think we're part of the solution by like you said uh, having a very considerate value-based uh, proposition. Um, I, I think price is no doubt, and and, and also accessibility you know, in in terms of often people are, are, aren't able to have connections to cable or, or satellite television, and that also drives a a, a pirated behaviour. But no, it is it is still an issue, and you know it, it's it's an issue that I think the whole industry needs to be more proactive about including the zone and. I guess we don't we we are not sort of passive in this in any way shape or form. We are working very hard with our own technology um, to to make it as, as secure as possible. We do a lot of because we can because we're primarily a digital uh, broadcaster. We can we can put a lot of clever technology into our streams uh, that enables us to not only switch off a stream if we see it being pirated, but also sniff out where that stream is coming from, identify the IP, and let the relevant relevant authorities know but i think actually to get the, to get a solution here and by the way we need to find a solution because it's it's damaging it's not it's damaging for the sport it's taking money out of out of the fighters in this case or out out, out of the pyramid in terms of developing uh, the whole the whole sort of the whole sports industry in terms of how it filters down to grassroots sports the solution isn't a broadcaster solution the solution isn't a rights holder solution the solution isn't a uh, sort of uh, Technology, IP, ISP, but it's, it's all three of us. We need to work together. One of it's very interesting. One of the main reasons why we were very keen when we launched our, um, uh, when we secured the rights in Italy, and we announced that we had a, a relationship with uh, Telecom Italia. One of the key drivers of that relationship was yes, of course, you know we have access to their customer base, but also it's about how we're going to work with them in terms of anti-piracy. And you know, if you look at the zone around the world, we have big relationships with major telcos in Germany, major telcos in Japan, major, major telcos in Italy, driving subscription, but also fighting piracy. And it's certainly something that now with this partnership uh, with Matchroom, as we start to, again, I use the word, supersize our UK business, we're going to have to be more proactive of working with uh, UK uh, telco operators, to, again, in partnership with Matchroom and Design to, to try and solve piracy or limit piracy as much as possible. Excellent. Well, I mean, the, the whole issue of piracy leads me on to you know, one of my last questions, um, Eddie. And, and it, it does tie in 
I mean, I'm genuinely intrigued around the economics of putting a really good card on. You know, the, what element of it is broadcast money? What element of his ticket sales? What element of his sponsorship? There has been considerable um, conversation around your decision to take a fight or two to Saudi Arabia. I know Matchroom have taken, I think, uh, Paul there as well in the past. Look, that one went under the radar because Saudi Arabia weren't so much in the news. That's I, I'm totally aware of the hypocrisy of that. But these big fights have attracted attention. Saudi Arabia has a has a Apache record on piracy, but it also has a patchy record on human rights. What is your defense, if you like, for taking fights to Saudi Arabia? I think that, you know, when we took uh, the one fight that we took there, which was Joshua Ruiz, we got asked this question quite a lot. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with the European tour before we made the decision and said, you know, what, what was firstly the feedback like? And secondly, what was the experience like of working in this region with Saudi Arabia? And the answer was, you know, the feedback was, you know, different and difficult at times, but the experience was fantastic for, for our event. With boxing, it's a little bit different. It's a sport where two fighters are going into a ring to have a fight with each other. At times, that can lead to physical damage. It's extremely dangerous. And it's very difficult to have a conversation with a fighter to tell him where or where they shouldn't box. In fact, I don't feel like we have the right to do that in a sport as dangerous as boxing. It's also, it's, it's easy to sit there and say, well, hang on a minute. Formula One have just done a deal with Saudi Arabia. The WWE go to Saudi Arabia. The European Tour go to Saudi Arabia. Um, the Italian Federal Football Federation, I believe, had a, a, a Super League there. So, little old Matram doing a fight, and I don't, you know, sit on that that you know that fence to, to say that stuff. But there is an element of that. You know, we need to be in that Middle East market. We need to provide the best opportunities, financial opportunities for our fighters. And with the offer that was made from Saudi Arabia. There was no way that I could go to uh, anti-Joshua and Andy Ruiz and say, you know, there are question marks about going to this country. How do you feel about it? They'd already signed the contract. I will also tell you the experience in terms of event production, the promises that were made to us, especially with the new stadium that was built in about eight weeks from the ground, was a first-class experience. And, you know, we, we enjoyed our time there. We also live in a world where some of the questions that I was asked that were quite similar to yours were people by people that were working for organisations that were profiting from that event. You know, I remember one conversation and question I had from a, a, a Sky News reporter who said, you know, why are you here? I said, well, hang on. I said, your company are, 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 are broadcasting this on pay-per-view. It's a question that's very difficult to have a conversation with. All I can tell you about is our experiences there and boxing and fighting is a little bit different. You know, we have an obligation to our clients to maximise their earnings in what is a very difficult and dangerous sport. Fair enough. One last one. It's one for both of you, really, and it's about football. We'll, we'll go to James first. I know you have football in some of your markets, and those markets are doing, some of them are doing well. I know it's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mixed picture out there, uh, really on depending on kind of the, you know, the, the quality of your, your, your rights, you, you know, there's, 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 there's some countries you are absolutely flying. I, I would argue we are flying in every country. But. Okay, that's fine. Good. Do you think you can be a successful 
sports player in the in the sort of media rights world in the UK without football? Can can the zone really crack football? Uh, really crack the UK without football? And then while you think about that, Eddie, I know of course your father has had, has had a go at football. In fact, he was one of my very first interviews as a as a football reporter. I went to his office. Leighton Orient, and he told me they were going to be in the Premier League in five years and told me things about the Euro Tunnel was going to change everything. And look, he had a good old go. He had a good old go at it. And I know he's fondly remembered by, by Orient fans. You know, he, it's, it's not easy owning a football club. Has, has it, have you, having observed that, have you decided never, ever, ever to do it? Well, um, I'll, I don't I'll think I've ever... James's one's more serious, sure. but for me... Uh, Never, ever, 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 <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I mean, it is the worst business in the world. I mean, what other business would you do your proverbials and still get abused by fans, you know, for, <laughs> for, wanting, for, for them wanting you to put more money in? You know, my dad would go to AGMs and he would say, this is the wage bill, right? We are not spending one penny over this. You know, I'm going to lose a million quid a year and that's it. Right, because I'm sorry, I haven't built up my entire life and wealth to give it away to a Division Two football club. I'm sorry, you know, and still you get you get abused. And then in the end, we sold the club to a very wealthy Italian that got relegated two seasons on the spin and probably quadrupled the wage bill. So some of the fondest memories of our life, including promotion uh, at Oxford, which was just the most incredible day for the family, and going to Wembley and getting beat on penalties to Rotherham where we had a chance to gain the championship. But in short, Matt, never, ever, ever. And, you know, I'll pass over to James for the more serious side of that. Yeah, and Matt, listen, we we absolutely believe we can have a very successful business in the UK uh, with a boxing-led proposition. Does that mean that we're only going to ever have a boxing-led proposition in the UK and Ireland? No. Um, but but certainly we, we know from the... The size again because of our global platform. We've seen how much interest there is in 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 our in the boxing events that we put on with Matchroom over the past sort of um, four or five months. Then absolutely, yeah, we'll, we can have a successful business in the UK. Um, would we have a bigger business in the UK if we were to bring in uh, domestic soccer? Well, obviously, that, that that's that's that, that's just a, a pretty obvious statement. But our focus right now in terms of the UK is developing our business on the back of this relationship with Matchroom and really focusing, as, as we talked about, how can we work with Eddie, work with the Matchroom team to actually create quality of shows that are elevated beyond what previously um, Eddie and Matchroom were able to produce and deliver in the UK. And if we can do that, the data shows we'll have a very successful and a pretty significant fan base and subscription business here in the UK. So that was not a no from James and a definite no from Eddie, <laughs> right? There we go. We've established that. Well, look, thanks very much for your time, gents. Congratulations on the deal. Um, I wish you all the best with it. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again. Thanks, man. Awesome. Bye, chaps. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with the England show with Mark Chapman throughout the Euros. Then once that's wrapped up, Mark and Matt Slater will be back on this feed with a new season of the Business of Sport podcast. The Athletic.